yeah, the one we crown, or who has been crowned by God. We're looking at Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27, and in the Pew Bibles is found on page 1609. So if you have your own Bible, uh, you have the New Testament, that's kind of the, the last third of, uh, of the Bible, and you have start off with Matthew, Mark, and then you reach into Luke. Uh, Luke is one of the three, uh, three persons, three men who uh, told the story of Jesus' time here on earth. So this is how Luke tells a story where uh, Jesus challenges his disciples on who they believe uh, he really is. So once, when Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. And but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The word of the Lord. Father, we've heard about how you're working in, in other parts of the world through, through those who you've called to be missionaries. We've been singing praise to you and, and, and offering our, our hearts and our lives up to you. And Lord, we, we pray that you use all this time uh, of worship and, and these words which we've spoken to, to shape us and form us more and more into who you're calling us to be. And I pray that the words which will now be spoken, may they be your words and not mine. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who do you say I am? Has anybody ever asked you that question before? had a prof in seminary ask me that question one time. And we were studying the Gospels. And he turned to us and said, so who do you say I am? Some of us were a little smart-alecky. So we said things like the toughest prof on campus, you know, the hardest grader, somebody who seems way too grumpy all the time. And he just kind of shook his head at us. Because we weren't dealing with who he was, we just 
we're dealing with kind of our perceptions of who he is. I asked the same question of the gentleman that I, I introduced the, the worship service with. Pierre is a, a francophone, or Quebecois to the bone. And he was looking for, for strength. He had grown up in an abusive environment. He had grown up in, in hard situations. And, and he found himself, even though he was a black belt in karate and, and, uh, and he had taken self-defense and, uh, and he had done all these things that he still never really felt safe. His childhood impacted him as an adult. And that's why he was first drawn to Jesus was because he had heard about this king of kings and this lord of lords and he had heard about this powerful, powerful man who's, who can change the world and who's coming back and is going to judge all the evildoers and everything else. And then I asked him, well, who do you say Jesus is? And he says, I've never been asked that question. I've just been told who Jesus is. And he says, I got to go home and I got to think about this. Who do you say Jesus is? Last week we talked about following Jesus. Well, you can follow all kinds of different people. But if you follow Jesus, why are you following him? Who do you say he is? And, and Jesus asked this question in the area of Caesarea Philippi. You know, this is a, an area, this is in Galilee, and, and there's a, a cliffside there, and, and there's all kinds of caves in that cliff, and, and, and there's streams that kind of flow from those caves, many of them, and, and, and this is an area that the locals believed was a, was a place of gods especially the god Pan, and that the caves led down into Hades, into, into hell is how we would call it. And, and, and a lot of these caves had different gods kind of uh, dedicated to them. And, and right there is a city, Caesarea uh, Philippi, and, and this was built to honor Caesar, and, and Caesar was considered a god as well. So, so in the place of all these gods and all these images of gods, at the very gates of hell, Jesus asked his disciples, oh, what do the crowds, who do the crowds say I am? And the, and the crowds say, well, yeah, you're a great teacher. You're maybe even a prophet that's come back. And, and you're definitely from God. Oh, but, but is that all who Jesus is? My disciples had spent some time with him already. Jesus has been revealing who he is and, and teaching them and, and, and talking about how, how, how the kingdom of heaven is near. And he said, now, who do you say I am? Are you going to kind of follow the crowd? Or are you going to go along with everybody else and say, well, you know what? He's a great teacher. He's a great rabbi. He's a prophet from of old. But the problem with those answers is, if that's all Jesus is, how often did the people listen to the prophets? Not a whole lot. That's why they ended up in exile for, for so many years. They wouldn't listen to the prophets. They kind of kept saying, you know what? Your message is way too harsh. You're always calling us to change. You're calling us to be different. 
You're calling us to be like caring about everybody else more than we care about ourselves and taking care of everybody. Well, you know, I got to take care of my own family first. You know what? I'll tell you what. I'll do what I have to do. Like, I'll do the sacrifices. I'll give the 10% to the, ta- to the temple and everything else. But, but really, you know what? Somebody else can take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor and everybody else. I got to take care of my own first. See, the thing is, with prophets and with teachers and, 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 and with people like that, you kind of just kind of pick and choose what you're going to listen to and what you're not. But Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the anointed one. Now this is a whole different level of following. Because Peter's picking up on all these Old Testament images now. The Messiah, the anointed one. He's picking up from Daniel where, where the anointed one is coming down from, from heaven and he's going to be sitting on that throne, on God's throne. And he's going to judge the nations. He's going to have power and he's going to have authority. And, and even all the, the archangels are going to be under him. And, and you're going to have to follow him because he's going to have that power, that authority. There's all these images of, of from the rod, of, from the root of Jesse and, and a son of David. So he's going to be a king of Israel and, and he's going to be a powerful king. He's going to be more powerful than David, more powerful than Solomon. And that's when Israel was at its height. They were the most powerful. That's who Jesus is. But the problem is they kind of picked and choose as well. Because I wonder if if. Peter was thinking of Isaiah 53, where he's a suffering servant. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be killed. He's going to be buried in somebody else's tomb. He's going to be humiliated and shamed. I'm guessing that's not where what Peter was thinking when he says, you know what, you're the Christ. So this is why, why, why Jesus says, you know what, you got it right. And then in one of the other gospels, he says, on your confession, that's, I'm going to build the church. On the confession that I'm the Christ, I'm the anointed one. I'm the one sent by God to save the world. But you know what? The Son of Man is going to have to die going to have to be put into a grave. It's going to be a humiliating death. And you know what? If you follow me, you got to pick up your own cross. And, and, and that was an image I'm sure that would haunt them. We kind of think of the cross, and you kind of look at a nice cross that, that I've got. It's beautiful, carved out of olive wood. It comes from Pakistan. A, a little girl out of Montreal was visiting Pakistan with her grandpa for a wedding, and she saw it in a marketplace and said, oh, i got to get that for, for Brother Pastor, you know, because this comes from my hometown, from my culture, and, and I want him to have something so he'll never forget about me, and I don't. But it's a beautiful cross. But to carry your own cross, that was a hard thing. Because you, Jesus was saying, you know what, you're going to die. And you're going to die in one of the most painful ways possible. And you're going to die in a humiliating way. You see, if you were sentenced to be crucified, the, the, the post would already be up there. But the cross beam, you would have to carry that yourself. And you see that in Jesus' own crucifixion. 
But, but you would all often be beaten beforehand as well. You'd be whipped because, you know, you're a traitor. You, you were preaching against or, 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 or working against Caesar or against, uh, against one of his kings. And you know what? You, you mean nothing. So, so you would have to carry it through town and, and, and everybody would be mocking you and laughing at you and, and your family would be sitting there weeping and, and, and mourning because, because there was no coming back from crucifixion. And when you were crucified, if you had anything, that was all taken away from you because if you're a traitor, if you're crucified... You're nothing. You mean nothing. You're going to be wiped off. You're going to, memory's going to be forgotten. And then you're going to hang there. And you're going to hang there. It's going to be slow and it's going to be painful and the birds are going to come at you and the people are going to mock you because you're nothing. That's what Jesus says. Carry your cross. Follow me. And you get to carry your cross. Jesus doesn't say, I'm going to sit on that throne in Jerusalem. I'm going to sit on that throne in Rome, and I'm going to have all these kind of princes beside me. You know, we're going to have the best of food. We're going to sleep in the softest of beds. Kind of best wine. Remember that wine I made in Canaan? Now we're going to have that at every meal. That's not what Jesus tells them. Jesus says, carry your cross. Come follow me. Carrying our cross means we give up the things that we we're trusting in. And we follow Jesus' way, becoming the people that Jesus is calling us to be. It's about a new identity. It's about an identity based on following Jesus as, as God's children. Daughters and sons, dead to the values of, of the world that opposes God. It's about self-sacrifice. It's, it's about speaking. It's about identifying with the poor and the broken, with the hurt, with the sinners, and speaking out on their behalf. It's about holding on to our stuff lightly because it can be taken away by the, by the kings of this world and to be generous with others to walk alongside. It's about embracing the kingdom of heaven and working at making it real right here, right now. And, and that kingdom of heaven, of justice, of righteousness, of, of community, of, of walking God's way. See, it's not enough to confess Jesus as Messiah. Even the demons confess Jesus as Messiah. You know, Luke tells us of a man possessed by an evil spirit. And when the spirit sees Jesus, it cries out, Ha, huh, what do you want with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. See, we can say the words, you're God's Messiah, believe it, and still not follow Jesus. I met a Satanist one time. He says, yeah, Satanists did, Satan, uh, Satan's agree that Jesus is the Son of God. But Satan also says, you know what? He takes all the fun out of life. Tell you what, you follow me. I'll give you all kinds of fun in this life. Don't worry about it when you're dead. We'll worry about that later. Even Satan knows who Jesus is, confesses who Jesus is. So we can believe who Jesus is and still not follow him. It's harsh but truth. See, Jesus doesn't offer 
wealth, doesn't offer even change in our circumstances. Pierre still had a hard time with his past. He had a hard time with seeing who he was, dealing with the stresses of life. One of the saddest things about Pierre is that he moved to Quebec City from Montreal. He lost touch with the church. He still agrees that Jesus is a powerful, powerful man. But he's embraced shamanism. He's opened his own business, spirituality and shaman. He helps people connect with the spirit world because he believes powerfully in the spirit world. But he doesn't confess Jesus as his Messiah anymore. He sees Jesus as just one among many gods that's out there. Who do you say I am? I may not change your life. You may still be poor. You may still wrestle with your health. You may still not completely fit in. Following me is going to be costly. It may even be painful. Follow me. Carry your cross. Think about what you really believe when you're asked, who do you say Jesus is? Look into your heart and be honest about who you really believe Jesus is. Is he your Messiah? Is he the one you place all your trust in? Is he the one that you trust to shape your life and how you walk through life? Or is he more of a guide or a respected teacher that you can ignore when it suits you? How are you allowing Jesus' spirit to change you, transform who you are in response to who Jesus says he is? It's going to be, the cost is high following Jesus. We don't often experience that here today in Canada, in Alberta. But you go around the world, and there are many places where it can cost you your life. Here it may cost us some respect. We may be mocked or whatever. The cost isn't that high except that it costs us our life. Everything we are, everything we have. Because through the presence of the Holy Spirit, we begin living counterculturally. Our values, our morals, our priorities, they start to change. They come into line with Jesus's. Through the Holy Spirit, we become less self-centered and more other-centered. We open our eyes to what's going on around us and, and work to shape it more to look like the kingdom of heaven as Jesus has revealed it. We take seriously what Jesus teaches and don't apologize for believing differently than what our culture tells us is proper and right. And we share respectfully with others who Jesus is, what he expects and why he expects it. Jesus calls us to a way of living, to, to a way of being, to an identity, because he wants the best for us. He wants us to be who God's created us to be. 
as his children. So I encourage you, make a list of things that are really important to you. All the things that you've been blessed with. This is a week of thanksgiving, and give thanks for them. But be honest with yourself. Don't spiritualize it. Ask yourself, how does your faith in Jesus, how does following Jesus as Messiah change your relationship with the stuff that you have? And then I encourage you to turn to Scripture. Turn to Matthew chapters 5 through 8, the first book in the New Testament, where Jesus is teaching from the mountain. And he's teaching what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Look at Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the, the changing of our heart, who, who, who Jesus is calling us to be. Take a look at Corinthians 1, 13, or 1 Corinthians 13, where it's a love chapter. Some of you may have even used it when you were married. And you've heard about it lots. And then say, does this describe who I am, who I'm becoming? Am I, am I willing to, to fully embrace following Jesus and trusting him that, that living in this way, becoming this person? See, it's not just how we live and, and ticking off the boxes. It's, it's about how our hearts are changed, transformed. Ask yourself, am I allowing the Holy Spirit, Jesus' the Spirit, to change me, to look more and more? Because then when you tell somebody that, that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, he came to save the world, they'll be able to see it in your life through your transformation. So who do you say I am? Jesus asked. How does your answer change your life? That's an important question to live with. I can't answer it for you. This is when you have to answer to Jesus himself. Amen. Father, your son asks us, who do we say he is? You've given us your Holy Spirit to keep pointing us back to your son, to remind us of who he is that he's your promised one. He's the anointed one. So Lord, help, help that to change us, to shape us, so that we may look more and more like the people you've created us to be. Change us. Transform us into deep followers of your son. Amen.